0: It's time to listen to a teaching of the Vivify Ministries. It is our joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. All right, here we go. Ah, Glory to God. I'm so, so, so excited and I'm privileged, really privileged to be leading you guys in Bible study um i was about to ignite but i mean <laughs> this is illuminate bible study it's such a privilege and thank you so much pastor kenneth for allowing me do this in your stead just in case you don't know my name is Damola Olojedi and you know i'm the one that's gonna be teaching you guys in bible study today oh it's about to be an amazing time it is an, about to be an amazing time ah, glory to god um so I'm going to get straight into it because, to be honest, this teaching, there's a lot to say. There's so much. Like, I hope you have your bibles, your books, and your Bibles closed because they are going to be opening a lot of scripture. You're going to be writing down a lot as well. But it will bless your heart. I promise you, it will bless your heart. You're about to get deeply inducted into doctrine but it's not going to be one that will be boring. If anything, it will stir you up to even study your Bible more and better with more zeal and interest. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you're excited, please I want to, you know, show some exciting chat section. I'm going to be expecting a lot of responses from you guys today because, well, we're talking about something super amazing. Easter is here. Like Easter is literally just around the corner. Right, and um, many times, I mean, some people think of Easter and think of Easter eggs. Thank God we are not such. We understand better what Easter means. Um, but this Easter is not just going to be a holiday for us. I, I'm so thankful for this ministry and how intentional, you know, our lead pastor is in picking out the, the teachings that we go this Esther, you're going to be so indoctrinated in the word of God and in an understanding of what God really did in the salvation of mankind. Pastor Kenneth to say the operations of God, right? And that knowledge, firstly one, is going to help you grow grounded and rooted in the knowledge of what saved you, who saved you, how He saved you, and why that saving or salvation is the biggest and best thing that could have ever happened to you. one and two it's also going to lead your heart into a deep sense of worship and gratitude for the goodness that is god for the awesomeness that is god hallelujah Ah, i'm so excited already i can't wait to unpack my notes and you know get right into the teaching so yes this is so we're talking about the operations of god all that concerns jesus and his mission here on earth and we're talking about the you know how that relates to the reconciliation of man as well. Um, and is Jesus not an exciting topic to talk about? Like, is Jesus not an exciting topic to talk about? If you really genuinely don't feel that right now, you'll feel it as we go along. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're getting straight into the teaching. Welcome everyone. If you know anyone that's not here, now's a very good time to tell people around that. Bible study has started and it's going to be an amazing time. Glory to God. Yes. Um. So my first, the first line here is the Bible. The Bible is not just a combination of books. Did you know that? I mean, it is, but it is not just that. The Bible has a theme. Can someone guess what the theme of the Bible is? I might have even hinted it in my introduction, but what is the theme of the Bible? The Bible has a focal point. Like it has something that sits at its center. What is that? Guys, I've already said have a lot of time. So please, I'd look forward to hearing or seeing your answers in the chat section. Ah, Glory to God. I know there's a backlog, um. so you guys are hearing me like a few seconds after me but yeah what is the who knows what the theme of the bible is if you know it just just push it like just send a message <sighs> thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus <sighs> whilst i'm waiting for an answer i'm just going to jump straight into something else i ever heard this statement the old testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Great. I'm actually already seeing the answers. Yes. Jesus is the theme of the Bible. Thank you, MJ. Thank you so much. Jesus is the theme of the Bible. Ever heard the statement that the Bible is a Christocentric book? Chazam's answer is also very correct. Thank you, Mercy. Um, salvation. Well, salvation eventually is what, you know, comes from it um because that is what christ came to do but i don't want to jump ahead of myself or are taking it one step at a time the bible is a christocentric book and so you know that statement i made earlier how about you think about it that way the old testament is christ concealed and the new testament is christ revealed one more time the old testament is christ concealed and the New Testament is Christ revealed. This theme, this, this statement I just made is going to guide us through a lot of the things we're going to be talking about in our teaching today. So um, have it written in your notes and put it at the back of your minds as well. Glory to God. And how do we know this? We're going to be opening scripture immediately. And I want us to open our Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm so excited, guys. I'm actually so excited to be like, unpacking scripture right now. glory to god first peter chapter one i want you guys to be as excited as i am open your bibles it will bless you it will bless you first peter chapter one from verse 10 to 12 and it says this salvation it was something even the prophets wanted to know about i mean you can read the context um, from the beginning, but I'm just for sake of time. I'm jumping to verse ten already. This salvation, yes, the salvation of our souls, was something that the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's sufferings and His great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you, and now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. If you didn't hear anything I just said, I hope you did. I'm gonna highlight what what the, the central focus was here: the prophets in the old had been prophesying about a salvation that was to come, about a Christ that was to come to come and save mankind. But they didn't know what it was about. They didn't know. Like, they didn't really understand what was really going on. And they said that the the Bible said in verse 11 that they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ was talking about. Like, they were really, really trying to figure these things out. But they couldn't. They didn't understand it. Glory to God that we now see it in the Holy Spirit hallelujah hallelujah ha huh. next i'm going to open our bibles to hebrews chapter 10 hebrews chapter 10 very quickly sorry i'm an oldie i love to use my physical bible so um you'll be hearing a lot of pages moving around hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 says the old system under the law of moses was only a shadow a dim preview of the good things to come not the good things themselves but a deemed preview of the good things to come. I'm still going to read this scripture further down, so I'm not going to finish reading it now. But the idea is that even the law of Moses was a deemed preview, like all over the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, you see so many prophecies, so many things pointing to the fact that, you know, God had a plan. There was something God wanted to do for the salvation of Mark and in the future, you know, and it was going to come, but it was still a shadow and a type, glory to God. Hallelujah. And, and I really love this. You know, one of the things I really love about this, you know, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. Sorry, it's Christ concealed and the New Testament is Christ revealed. Is the fact that it emphasizes how coherent scriptures are. Meaning that if I read my Bible cover to cover, I will not land in error. Neither will I land in confusion because scripture explains itself scripture reveals scripture i i I hope that makes sense to you glory to god but that's not my focus for now so yeah we've spoken about how the lord had been telling us in types and shadows what was going to come or telling the prophet sorry in the old testament in types and shadows what was to come but then you know the question is why why so much emphasis why take your time so much to 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 prophesy over, over and over and over and over again God had a grand plan in mind. That's why. God had a grand plan in mind. And that plan was for the salvation of mankind through his son, Christ Jesus. Glory to God. So you see that the the crux of all of God's intentionality still boils down back to you. The fact that he wanted to conceive you. I tell you guys, you're going to leave this Bible study this evening with a heart filled with joy, joy and gratitude for what you have received ah. and you will say the intentionality of god also clearly so so clearly so so clearly hallelujah hallelujah so this teaching has um um <laughs> glory to god glory to god i had written down a prayer that i actually wanted to pray for you guys you know and i'll just say quickly before i get into the the point That despite this teaching being a doctrinal download, your hearts are stirred by the power of God's spirit to gratitude and thankfulness in worship of your father. Hallelujah. And that this love and power that you see is one that you will see to trust in and rest in forever. That this love and power and intentionality that you see from this teaching is one that your heart learns to trust in and rest in forever. Amen. 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 Glory to God. So, yes, the first thing we're going to talk about, the first subheading we're going to be looking about looking at is the will of God. The will of God. Ah, I'm hoping I'm still within good time. The will of God. Um Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. Hallelujah. Let's open our Bible very quickly. I already prepared your mind that you'll be reading scripture a lot. So be ready. I hope you're ready. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. Hallelujah. I love this scripture so much. I wish I could highlight it like 100 times in my Bible. It says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Oh, um, <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but I'm just going to read it. And then hopefully I'm able to come back to this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Christ. I just felt like to say something right now. Because of time and how much I'm going to have to say within this period. Even for the scriptures, I don't get to explain too much. Even in, So in the reading, pay close attention because it will bless your heart. In the reading, play, pay close attention because it will bless your heart. <sighs> so verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Because of what I said, you probably want to actually have your Bibles in front of you and your notes so that you're able to pay full attention. Now, we're not done. We're asking what is the will of God. Verse 9 now says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. We are not like the people in the Old Testament who were unsure of what God's plan was. The Bible says clearly that he has revealed it to us. And this plan was a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. What was that good pleasure? That at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. And furthermore, because we are now united in Christ, we receive an inheritance with God. This was God's grand plan. If you don't understand it clearly, I'm going to explain it a lot more better. What did Christ come to do? The salvation of man, yeah? Open your Bibles very quickly to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The question is, what is God's will? If you have never ever been unsure of what the will of God is, now is a very good time to know it for yourself. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Here's the key word. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I feel like if I read this in King James Version, you know, it would it would point out more. Ha, huh? It will give more context. Sorry, give me a Quick second, and I need to open this up because I want us to really follow through really follow through with the storyline that we're going to be doing today. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I'm reading from the KJV, and it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, word not willing. That any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance, not willing. So you see the will of God there. It is God's desire that no man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is it safe to say now that it is God's desire that all men are reconciled unto him? And that all men know him and that all men are saved. Yes, we have seen this in scripture. We have seen this in scripture. And you know, you might say, well, is the New Testament, I told you earlier, I said the Old Testament is Christ concealed and the New Testament is Christ revealed. So we're going to see this same will of God play out in the Old Testament, such that without reasonable doubts in your heart, when you study scripture, you know. That it is always God's will that man comes to repentance, that man is saved and reconciled unto Him. Glory to God! And we're going to be looking at some very beautiful child stories, childhood stories that you know we've been used to. Ah, Glory to God! So we're going to the Old Testament now very quickly. Are we ready? Are we ready? You know, I was saying something earlier when I was starting that um, we're opening our Bibles to Genesis six. Let's start opening our Bibles before um, I start to see this. <sighs> so I was saying something at the beginning that this teaching is going to stir your heart to see the Old Testament in a new light. Such that when you study, you're, you're more interested. You're, you're looking for things to unpack. Literally, it's an adventure for you to, to look through the Old Testament and actually see Christ. And you know what God wanted to do through him in many types and shadows. Glory to God. So welcome are Bible to to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And the first story we're going to be unpacking is Noah's Ark. Hi, I'm sure all of you remember all the stories from childhood. That Noah's Ark, two of each animal, you know, one of each inside the same Ark. You know, very interesting stories that we used to watch. I remember the storybooks I had. Very nice, illustrative pictures. Glory to God for that. <laughs> um, but now we're going to be talking about Noah's Ark and how it refers to the will of God. And how he shows God's heart to man. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. Says that the Lord observed. And you know this, this statement is very. Uh, very, very. It's something that touches the heart. And I'll bring you home soon. Um, Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Like think about it, everything they saw or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Imagine living in a world like that. Imagine living in a world like that and the only thing that that comes to mind that you know I can use to like him is for instance the story of Boko Haram. You know, and, and when they were even very dominant. And not that their their effect is not even still felt in the north felt in the northern, you know, regions of, of Nigeria. But think about Boko Haram and what they stood for, what they, they were they were up against, the people they were killing. That's what comes to mind. A people whose hearts only imagined evil. Their selfish interests were at the top of top of their hearts. What would you, like, you, if you were the governor, you had power to, you know, what would you have done? Go, go, around, go. You're literally saying that these people come, but we don't want, you want them, to, if possible, all to be slaughtered and removed and entirely from the face of the earth because they were bringing so much evil, right? That is the extent to which human wickedness was. And in God's mercy, he was going to send the flood. Imagine living in a life, sorry, living in a world filled with this much wickedness. It is justice and mercy, even that God was going to send the flood. But in that, God is merciful. He wasn't just going to kill everybody. Because the question would be like, what would the people that are good, right? The Bible says, in the entire world, Noah was the only man who was found blameless. That saves verse nine. It says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. So you see, God had a plan for people who were good, quote, and righteous, but not just Noah. The story is still unpacking. Noah had, you know, um, or more. I'm looking at the time and I'm just like, I need to be fast. <laughs> um, Noah was the only righteous man. But the Lord still wanted to reach out to more people. So the Lord says, Noah, build an ark. The Lord gives him specific dimensions. Do this, do this, do this, do that. And in the midst of all of that, the Lord then says in verse 3, before he even spoke about Noah, it said, Then the Lord said, My spirits will not put up with the humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. Their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. Many people misinterpret this scripture to mean that the Lord was saying that people were not going to live for more than 120 years because of how evil man was being. But no, Noah himself lived for about 900 years. And he was after the flood. And we still had a couple examples of people who lived over 120 years, you know, after the the, the flood happened. So what were we talking about? What was God talking about? From the moment he made that statement, there was a 120 years gap, not days a 120 years gap that he gave, saying, Noah, build this ark and tell people to come. So, yes, he is a blameless man, but the Lord wanted it to be such that everyone that listened and repented would come in and be safe in the ark. Glory to God. Can you see the mercy of God playing with the justice of God? Can you see how God's mercy is just so full and and beautiful in this scenario? With that ark, a representation of Christ. Can you see how it has always been God's will for us to be reconciled unto him, and kept safe in his ark. Glory to God. Story one, hallelujah. We're moving on to the next story immediately. Another one is the, the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. Very quickly, let's open our Bible to Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. Ha. And the Bible says, so the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. Like, literally, you see another same is the same thing happening again. Literally. A people whose sins are flagrant. They they do what they like and what they, the kinds of abominations that were happening in that time. I'm sure if the Bible was to list it out, you would read and you'd be like, Wow, are you... Are you serious? But then in the, in the show of God's mercy, you see the Lord going to meet Adam, Abraham Sorry, and telling him, let's talk. I, I, I want to do this, but I want to you know, intercede for your people. In a sense, it was God saying, I, I want to have mercy on these people. But see, their sins are so flagrant. See the evil that they are doing amongst themselves. And then Abraham starts to intercede. You know, he talks about what if there are There are 30 people. There are 40 people. Sorry, he starts to go down and down and down. Imagine an entire city. Imagine an entire city. Literally, 40 people not righteous. 30 people not righteous. 20. 10 people not righteous. And and, and the picture of what the Lord um, put the righteousness to be in Lot... It didn't mean that Lord was a perfect standing man. You've always known, see. <sighs> I don't want to delve into this, this, this side, this, this angle of the teaching because I, I won't have enough time to explain it. But the Lord said, not even 10. He said, if there are 10 righteous people, I will not, you know, destroy the land. But the Lord searched and couldn't find. And so the people who he deemed righteous, he separated. He said, Lord, you and your family, go, go away from this city. And that happened. Can you see again how that the Lord was willing to save an entire city for the sake of a few righteous people? And how that in everything, he still wanted all people to come to reconciliation Imagine what it means for the Lord to actually look at the people and say that the the, the innermost thoughts of their hearts are always evil, but yet he loved them, yet his mercy was abounding towards them. Glory to God. The story of Jonah, see in short, I'm not going to talk about the story of Jonah because we already know it, but the story of Jonah and the proclamations Jonah made in Jonah chapter 4 verse 2 perfectly explain the extent to which the lord is merciful let's open our bible to jonah chapter four verse two many people think that when jonah was running away from from doing what the lord would have him do it was probably because he was shy you know he didn't really know how to preach the gospel so he was like father no that's not the reason why open your Bible very quickly to jonah chapter four verse two and he said "See, see, jonah's reason for not wanting to go to meeting them." He says, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that she would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. This is the heart of your God, guys. This is the heart of your father. He's eager to turn away from destroying people. His heart of mercy abounds. His loving kindness lasts throughout the ages. Glory to God. This is the God that you serve. Ha. Huh. If this doesn't drive your heart to worship, I mean I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Ha, huh. thank you, Jesus. And so this takes me to the next point, the value of man. Guys, God is intentional about us. God is intentional about us. The stories you heard are, are literally supposed to drive your heart to, to an intense consciousness that God loves you and that God is mindful of you. He knows, he sees your heart, your, he sees it all. And he's mindful of you and he loves you. The Bible says his loving kindness abounds through all the ages. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is the value of man, that God is mindful of us, that God loves us. Because what else? What else have we done to deserve the love that Christ has shown for us? What else have we done to deserve this love that God consistently reveals to us time and time and time again? I'm about to read another scripture that's going to literally, will I say blow your mind? But I'm sure it's something you're, you're familiar with. When in this moment, I want you to just ruminate on the blessing that this scripture gives. And just say thank you from your heart to God. Open your Bibles right now to Philippians chapter 2. The book of Philippians chapter 2 from verse 6 to 8. For the sake of time, I'm going to read. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took up the humble position of a slave, deity. Deity, sorry, becoming a slave. For who? For what? For why? And he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Why? Why? He didn't have to. To be honest, if Christ didn't come to die for us, God will still remain God. His throne will still remain his throne. He will still be the one with all the power and the might of all the earth. But he chose to come as man to die a criminal's death is not enough. That he chose to be a man. You know, you would think that. Time, 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 <laughs> time. You, you, you would. You would think that when a God is going to come to earth, he will have the most regal clothes. He's gonna be clothed you know, in all the all the beautiful. You start to be walking on streets of gold everywhere, steps, by gold everywhere. (laughs) But the Bible says he came as a normal man. The more we unpack the birth of Jesus, you would start to see the seemingly commonness of the birth of Jesus. But how he did all of that, even down to dying a criminal's death on the cross for you, for you. Right now, I want you to say this with me. God is intentional about me. God is intentional about me. God is intentional about me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say God loves me. God cares about me. And he proved it. He sends Jesus. Let's do this together. God loves me. God cares about me and he proved this, he sent Jesus. One more time, God loves me, God cares about me and he proved this, he sent Jesus. Glory to God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, teachings like this are just so amazing just amazing there was something when i was praying towards this teaching you know the lord said you know to emphasize on this intentionality because from what we know in scripture god is consistent we have not even started to unpack god's intentionality we'll soon get there but god is consistent and if intentionality is in his nature then it is his trait forever meaning that if, God is, if intentionality is a trait that God has and he can be this intentional about the salvation plan for us, God is that intentional about you, your own life. Your own life. I just want you to think about that. Just pause and think that God is intentional about me. That God is intentional about me. You see this intentionality trait in how when the Lord was telling Noah to go and build the ark, he gave him specific dimensions. Ha! Huh? God is intentional. And you know the beautiful thing, even though man had free will, it didn't stop God from fulfilling this plan of allowing Christ to come for our salvation. It didn't mean the Lord didn't use us as puppets. But even amidst our free will, you see the complex wisdom of God in how he was able to still make it such that Christ would come Ha ah, and our hearts will be saved and ransomed. We're getting there very soon. Glory to God. Glory to God. And that's why Paul in I don't want to jump. We're gonna get there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I wrote this down. Things down to the tiniest details about the birth of Christ. And yes, by the way, we're in the sec the next um section. So the first one was the will of God. The second one was the value of man. You know, how is God, why are we that God is mindful of us in this way? Like Psalm said in Psalm 8 verse 4. But now we're going to the promise of the Messiah. The promise of the Messiah. And on that list, I wrote that things down to the tiniest details about the birth of Christ, what his life here on earth would be like, what he was coming to do how he was going to do it, as in who will betray him, how much he will be betrayed for, how he will die. Everything was prophesied in the Old Testament. Everything. Can you see the intentionality of God? I'm like, he didn't have to, but he did. I mean, he could have literally just brought Christ. But the Lord patiently crafted it so that we would have known without any, with undeniable facts that... God's plan indeed was to come and save me in Christ. That you will know undeniably that at every point in time, it was at the heart of God to come and save me. That God has been intentional about saving me, even from the start of the foundations of the earth, like Ephesians chapter one told us. Glory to God. Things like this just melts my heart all the time, all the time. Hallelujah. God is intentional about us. I'll say again, God is intentional about us. God is intentional about us. God is intentional about us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, there's a story of these two people who were walking. They were walking on the road. This was after Jesus Christ had died. Um, in the story, that's Luke chapter 24. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to read for sake of time, but Luke 24 says that, talks, talks about the story of these two people. That were walking on the road. I mean, Jesus had said a lot of things about his death and his resurrection even before he died. The scriptures had prophesied about it. But these two people did not know. They were still saying that ha ah, the Messiah of died. Oh. Ah, they on their walk to a miles, they said, they said, ha, ah, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Ha ah, that Jesus I mean, think they, they were just sorry, I don't want to read it because I don't I don't want us to spend too much time there. But they were just like, ah. I've I'm just imagined that they were saying, the Messiah of Dayo, you know, what was going on? What was not going to be our fate By, You know, something like that. And the Bible records that Jesus was walking along with them. And he joined them on their journey, but they couldn't recognize him at first. And as time went on, when the Lord heard what they were saying, he now started to unpack in the law and the prophet all the things that the Lord had said concerning him. Which is amazing, isn't it? He was Jesus. He could have already just appeared and said, I'm Jesus, see me, I've risen from the dead. But then he wanted them to see him through the lens of scripture. And that is what we're about to do. How how do we see the birth birth of Jesus and what Christ was going to come and do? From the Old Testament, in this, we're going to see the intentionality of God. We're going to see the wisdom of God, (laughs) such that when we're done, that's exclamation that Paul made in Romans chapter 11 verse 32 saying, Oh, the immeasurable wealth of the wisdom of God. That will literally be your exclamation at the end of this. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at the law. The major types and shadows that the Lord revealed to himself through are through the law and the prophet. And under the law, yes, we know that there is the moral law, the ceremonial law, the civil law. But this teaching is not the teaching to start to, you know, um, give talk about all of that while looking at specific laws that 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 showed you know the, 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 the prophecy about Christ's coming let's look at the fourth law of the commandment, how many of you know your commandments? someone should write it who knows the fourth law of the ten commandments I want to see how many bible scholars we have I'm also using the opportunity to check if you are still awake <laughs> the fourth law of the command of the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. For sake of time I'm, I'm literally just gonna write it, say it out Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So you remember that when Jesus created the entire earth, on the seventh day, he said this was a day of rest. So the Sabbath day, the seventh day, was supposed to be a day of rest. It was something that the, the people of the Old Testament were supposed to practice continuously. You know, the seventh day, we rest. On the seventh day, we rest. But do you know that Jesus Christ is your Sabbath? Jesus Christ is your rest. You might not understand what I mean, but let's open our Bible very quickly to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading from verse 7 to 10. So God sets another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all, some context to this, Joshua was the one who led the people to the land of Canaan, right? And that land of Canaan too was also a symbol of of a land, of of a kingdom that was going to be established, you know, that the Lord was going to give his people into a rest. But Hebrews 4 is telling us that that was even the rest that we were talking about that there was another rest yet to come. And verse 10 now says, For all who have entered into God's rest have rested, from, have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Does this sound like something familiar to you? Those who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Let me make it a little clearer for you. In Christ Jesus, we are resting from dead works. That striving. I want to please God. I want to, you know, attain the righteousness of God. I want to attain righteousness by the law. I want to do everything to make sure that I attain God's righteousness by my works. The Bible says that we have rested from our labors, <laughs> And that God has brought us into rest. Because in Christ Jesus, by our faith by our faith we become the righteousness of god because someone who is excited about this knowledge i want you to just rejoice but you have rested from dead works the strive to please the Lord. And now here you are resting in the fact that the work that Christ Jesus did on the cross was enough for the salvation of your soul, was enough for the forgiveness of your sin, and was enough to bring you into the rest of God. Ah. Say, I am in the rest of God. Christ is my Sabbath. Christ is my rest. Ah, this is so beautiful, family. This is so beautiful. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is my Sabbath, my rest from dead works. In the faith that I have in Christ's sacrifice, I have right standing with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. If that's true about you, I want you to be excited. Whoo! Hallelujah. Next, we're going to go straight into the next law, the Passover. (laughs) I'm sure you're already excited. I really am. (laughs) The Passover is is a ceremonial law. And and, and this is not just to psych you up. It is to keep your heart in a sense of gratitude and worship for God, the one that will last from now till the end of the earth, as in <sighs> knowledge that that drives you to worship. That is what this is. That is what this is. So let's look at the Passover, a ceremonial law. And many of us already know what the Passover was about in Exodus chapter 12. I won't be able to read the story because we know it already. It was in the time of where the plagues were happening in Egypt. And, you know, the plague of the first one was to happen. So the Israelites were instructed to slaughter a lamb and put it on their doorpost. So that when the angel of death, in quotes like the Old Testament says, passes by, they are saved and exempted from that death. Glory to God. Now, let's look at what this means. Open your Bibles very quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 7. I know someone's heart is being stirred by this, and you're already just being amazed by the intentionality of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says that, Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person amongst you. There's a context to that. But then you know says, then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. See the intentionality of how Paul just slotted there. It was like they knew that Christ was the Passover lamb. The same lamb that the, 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 the real revelation of the lamb that was foreshadowed in that time past, they put on the doorpost so that the angel of death passes them. That same lamb is Christ to us. And because we are of the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins, we have been exempted from a spiritual death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but because of Christ Jesus, that death. We've been exempted from. Now we have been born into new life. Someone who's excited. I want you to shout glory. Oh, hallelujah. Very quickly, I'm going to jump to the next law. Sacrifices in the temple. And time is not going to permit me to, to, to do this extensively. But sacrifices in the temple. Open your Bibles very quickly to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 1. Um... Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 4. And I guess I'm just going to rush through what the context was. He says, We said, we read it earlier, that the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow of the things to come. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could provide the cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. I'm jumping very straight to verse 10. He says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. The sacrifices that those people in the Old Testament were doing over and over and over and over again, trying to gain propitiation for their sins. The Bible says he left them with a consciousness, a reminder that, Oh, we are sinful and we always need to beg God for his forgiveness. But in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, We have received a sacrifice that is able to atone for our sins once for all time. Also removing from our minds that consciousness of sin and helping us to see that, whoa, I have been saved. And now that that conscience, that guilt conscience is is lifted from my heart, I can serve the Lord with the whole of my heart. The Bible says that, that we become alive unto God. We're not so conscious of trying to, trying to um, um, gain righteousness from our sin. Much rather, sorry, um, gain, um, we're not so conscious of trying to gain forgiveness for our sin. Much rather, we know we have been forgiven. And because of that forgiveness, we can stand as new men, ready to do the bidding of God. We're not scared that our sins will take over us. No, we are conscious of the fact that we can stand alive in God to good works. What a, what, what a man. What a, what a God we serve. What a wise and intentional God we serve. In that he will be so intentional. Even to the tiniest details. To so ensure that even our consciences are cleared. Our consciences are cleared. And we're able to live and serve God in boldness. And in righteousness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, can you see again? The Old Testament is, is, is Christ concealed, and the New Testament is Christ revealed. And we can just revel in the wisdom that God had, the wisdom that God has in saving us. Ah, and then the prophet. Ah! Uh, uh, we now move on to the prophet, right? I just spoke about the Lord. The prophet, you have Isaiah prophesying Isaiah chapter 9 from verse 6 to 7. Ha, ah, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Literal prophecies that talk about what Jesus was going to come and do here on earth. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 to 7. Very quickly, let's open our Bibles. I'm just going to read one out of each of the two prophecies I've written out here. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And th- this should excite you. This should excite you. Isaiah nine sixty seven says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, <laughs> Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that his government and his peace will never end. Hallelujah Ha the one who has come to save me, or the one who came to save me, sorry, the Bible says that his government will never end. My God that is good will sit on that throne forever and he is already sitting on that throne forever. Isaiah chapter 53 Isaiah also prophesied about the death of Christ, saying that oh, upon him he, he, he was bruised for our transgressions, that upon him the chastisement. So I'm reading, I'm quoting from from KJV. Let me read from NLT. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, had strayed away. We left God's path. Yet, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Hallelujah. Ha, 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 not only Isaiah prophesied about D- Jesus' coming. David, yes, David the psalmist, prophesied about the coming of Jesus in such a beautiful way. Open your Bibles very quickly to Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Ha, thank you, Jesus. David said, oh, the king proclaims to the Lord's decree. Many people think that David was just a psalmist. He used to sing plenty psalms, wrote many songs, but he was a great prophet, too. ha. You don't know how many many prophecies were in the book of Psalms. Psalms 2 verse 7 says, The king proclaims the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son, and today I have become your father. Who? (sighs) Only I ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the whole earth as your possession. This was a prophecy about how Jesus was going to come and be the only begotten and first begotten son of the father. Hallelujah, I said first begotten because we all are now children of God, but Jesus was the first to come. And then verse 12 says, and this makes it even more clear, submit to God's royal son or he will become angry (laughs) for his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. You know, I smiled there because we know that even in the promise of Christ Jesus, we know that the Bible says the anger of God has disputed. We now have peace with God. So when you read this, pay attention to where it says that for what joy all who take all joy for what joy there is for all who take refuge in him. Other tr- translations talk about for all who trust in him. Another reminder that by faith in the Son of God we are made righteous. What joy for all who trust in him. He is God's royal son. He's Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And very quickly, the last person, the last prophet we're going to look at is John the Baptist. Uh, there were many prophets who prophesied about Jesus. But I thought those prophecies were amazing. And that's why, like, this, partic- this ones was very in line with what I was going to be teaching today. And that's why I highlighted them. John the Baptist says in Luke chapter, okay, let's do John 1, first john 1 39 first hallelujah it says behold the lamb of god who has come to take away the sins of the world (laughs) john was a prophet and even before the world knew what christ was yet to do he said it clearly that come and see this is the one who is going to take away the sins of the world hallelujah Hallelujah. Luke chapter 3 verse 16. You see another, another prophecy of, of John the Baptist about the ministry of Jesus. And he said, oh, yes, though I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is much greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the wraps of his sandals. The Bible says he will baptize you with spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with spirit and with fire. Guys, my aim here is not even to talk about these. Pastor Kenneth is definitely going to unpack a lot of these things in the coming teachings um, in this month. But my, 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 my emphasis here is for you to see the beauty that is in Jesus and how much of how much his birth has blessed us. Ah, see, tell yourself the birth of Jesus is a blessing for me. The birth of Jesus. Is a blessing for me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can already see. The things that he came to do. And I want you to just be conscious of that fact. That the birth of Jesus. Is a blessing for me. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so the last point. as I quickly wrap up. The last point in my notes says the incarnation of Jesus. In the next few minutes, I'm just going to talk about the incarnation of Jesus, and I'm just going to read, to be honest, because that's what I'm gonna do. You know, when when Jesus was birthed in that, will I say, raggedly cross in Calvary? Sorry, I think Calvary in the manger in Bethlehem, raggedly stable. Huh? My Lord and my Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, when Jesus was born in that raggedly stable, the natural man will have gone there and seen something like, oh, um, they'll see, the, sorry, the natural man will have gone there and seen a raggedly couple in a smelly stable with an ordinary child. But see, people who knew, the wise men, that understood that there have been prophecies about the Messiah to come. Do you see how they went there? Ha They went there with gifts of gold, frankincense, and they were so like they knew who was born. They knew what he was coming to do. They knew that the Messiah had come to save them, and their hearts were filled with so much joy. Oh no. And gratitude. They went there with their their, their their stones and precious jewels to honor the Lord. Ha! So in my note, I wrote the natural man will have seen that raggedly couple in a smelly stable with an ordinary child in Bethlehem. But the spiritual man will see Jesus. Ha! The one who's God in flesh. The one who is Messiah, long promised, thousands of thousands and thousands of years ago. The one who was to come to bring salvation for mankind. (laughs) Hallelujah. That is what the birth of Jesus means for us. That the one who was coming, there's one that was going to come. Or rather, there is one that has come and has ended the lineage of Adam. That nature of thing that was being passed across year in year out. No, one was going to start a new lineage. If you are a part of that lineage, I want you to to jump up wherever you are and just rejoice—a lineage of people born of the Spirit. A lineage of people are dead to sin and alive to Christ forevermore. A lineage of people who stand as God's righteousness, not because of anything they had done, but because of who God has said that they will be in Christ Jesus. Oh, come and open your mouth right now and just begin to thank the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Ah, thank you, Jesus thank you lord jesus we're we're slowly rounding off Ah, it's a miracle that i'm finishing within time i won't lie it's a miracle but even as we round off i want you to just i want to talk about one very last simple detail that means a lot to this entire story it means a lot to the entire story it's the virgin birth of jesus Ah, we're going to rejoice real soon i know you're excited already We're going to rejoice. The question is, why was the virgin birth important? Why was the virgin birth important? I had hinted this whilst I was rejoicing. Romans chapter 5 tells us that Adam had, you know, from generation to generation, from the time of Adam, that nature of sin was being passed across year in, year out, year in, year out. But the Lord wanted to start a new lineage in Christ Jesus. And so... The Spirit was the one who caused Mary to conceive and to start that new new lineage. So he was the first one born of the Spirit for many of us that are following now who are also born of the Spirit. So you remember our vivified benediction, whenever we say, oh, we are sons of God, born of the Spirit. Why is that important? because we have one who started that lineage, born of the Spirit in Mary, then brought about a new generation of people, started a new nature of people who were alive to righteousness, who were alive to righteousness. And many of you know, but for the sake that don't know, how do I become a part of this lineage? By faith. By faith. Because of faith in the sacrifice that Christ has done, we can say boldly that we are of a new lineage, the lineage of Christ. I want you to right now say, I am of a new lineage, the lineage of Christ. I am of a new lineage, the lineage of Christ. Come on, right now, I want this consciousness that you are a man born of the spirit because your first Brother, Jesus who was also born of the Spirit. I want that consciousness to cause your heart to well up in gratitude right now. And I want you to, wherever you are, feel free to rejoice and give glory to God the Father. For his immense intentionality, oh, in giving us his Son, such that he did not hold it to, any, to himself as anything. The Bible says he did not see equality as something to hold on to. Equality with God. But he came as man. Jesus, God did not hold on to his son and say, well, my son, I love him. So that's it. You know, I I love him so much. Nobody can have him. He was benevolent. He gave us his son. The Bible says God loved the world so much that he gave He's only begotten Son so freely. Let this consciousness stir your heart up in worship right now. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 I am a child of God because God sent down his child. I am born of the Spirit because my brother is born of the Spirit. My first brother in Christ Jesus was born of the Spirit. Oh, I am of a new lineage because Christ started a new lineage when he came. Oh, glory to God. My salvation stands forever because the one I serve is one whose throne stands forever. Hallelujah. Someone who's excited right now, I want you to just rejoice. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People saved and saved unto good works. A people saved and saved unto good works. Hallelujah. Oh, not just that we saved from sin by the death of Christ. Also, we've been saved unto good works because of the birth of Christ, because of his death. Oh, I have been saved and saved unto good works. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wherever you are in your room, just thank the Lord. Just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord right now. Oh, rejoice in your heart. Speak words to the Lord from the depth of your heart. Let gratitude well up from within. For his love, his intentional love towards you are shown in Christ Jesus. But not just that, you know, I mentioned earlier in the teaching that the Lord also wanted you to see that in this intentionality, not just was intentional about sending his son. That is who he is. An intentional God. An intentional father who cares about the tiniest details of your life. Ha. The Bible says that the very hair on your head is counted. Ha. ha Right now, I want you to thank the Lord because you know you can rest in his intentionality. If he could cook up such a grand plan as this in the salvation of mankind for the birth of his son, how much more you and your life ha This plan that he did in Christ Jesus, he started thousands of thousands of thousands of years ago to last for many thousands of years to come. How much more your life? How much more your life? God is intentional about you. He is intentional about meeting your needs. It might seem like there is a wait. It might seem like there is some time that is being taken. But know this. The Lord God, who is intentional, is able to make whatever promises he has said come to pass in your life. He is able to fulfill those promises, those prophecies that have gone ahead concerning you. Rest in that. Rest in that truth. Rest in that knowledge. Because that is who your God is. That is who your God is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, very quickly, I want to say something which which really burst my mind when I was reading about the birth of Jesus. And it will drive your heart to worship even more. When um, Joseph and Mary, did you know that they were not in Bethlehem when Mary was pregnant? Do you know what took them to Bethlehem? The Bible had prophesied that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. But at the time when Mary was pregnant, they weren't there was a census. <laughs> they called for a, a census that happens once in, you know, I don't know how many years. And that was why Mary and Joseph had to journey to Bethlehem. And it was there in Bethlehem that Jesus was birthed. It was the intentionality for me, to be honest. That it didn't look like it was going to happen. I mean, you're really following through scripture. But they said that these people were Nazarenes. But it, because it was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, he was, there was a census and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I don't know. The Lord is intentional about you, guys. That is his nature. And if he has said something, even if he's not looking at it right now, like it right now, no, lines will align. Steps will align such that it will be as he has said. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to the prophecies of God and rest in it. Stretch happened yesterday and it was an amazing time. You received words of prophecies. You received words of encouragement. You've been receiving prophecies since the year began. The same way the prophecies about Jesus, over 300 of them in the Old Testament were fulfilled in his birth and his life here. Know that those same prophecies are going to be fulfilled. Trust in God. War with those prophecies and see the manifestation of his goodness. That was just a diversion. But right now, I want you to just rejoice again. And just be thankful to God. Because he's good. Because your father is intentional. Nothing is too small for him. Nothing is too big for him. He's all wise. Oh, my father is the wisest. My life is in his hands. I can rest. Oh, my father is the wisest. He crafted such an intelligent plan for the birth of Christ. And in that wisdom, I rest. In that wisdom, I stand. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Master Jesus. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> My life is in your hands, My life is in your hands. My life is in your hands. Lover of my life. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you, Jesus. I could stay here and sing all day and just, you know, thank the Lord with you. We can unpack and keep unpacking the wisdom and the greatness of God. Even as we search through scriptures, even as we just talk about the greatness of God. But time will never be enough. Time will never be enough. So right now, I'm just going to round off because that's what I should do. And we're just going to thank the Lord together. Daddy, we are thankful. There's so much assurance that comes from searching through scripture. So much confidence that comes from the knowledge of your truth. From the knowledge of of what your word says. And so dear Father, we are thankful we come as your children again, and we're just thankful. And yes, even though this was a doctrinal teaching, I still sense in my heart that you're you're out here meeting needs of people in their hearts. Thank you, Daddy, for your love and your intentionality towards us. You, you seize every moment to show us that you are good. You seize every moment to show us the miracle of your greatness and your power in our lives. Daddy, may we never lose your our wonder. May we always sit in the consciousness that you are good, that you are God, that you are our Father, and that you're a good Lord over our lives. That you're a good Lord over our lives. And because of that, we can rest stable, rest steady, assured in you, assured in you. Thank you for the birth of Jesus that brought us this relationship in the first place. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this entire month of Easter where we're going to be celebrating this same Jesus' death and crucifixion and resurrection for our behalf on our behalf, for our sakes. I pray that all through this series, all through these teachings, our hearts just stay fixed in awe of your goodness, in worship of you, and in wonder that you are good, you are God, and you are kind, and that you are intentional about us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ah, Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.